It's time for First Voices Radio with Tilkison Ghost Horse. Please stay tuned. Land, air, and water. It's nature's law. First Voices Radio brings to you the basics of how not to violate the law and presents the voices of people experiencing the consequences of war against Mother Earth. We bring the awareness of a different paradigm to the airwaves as we shed the same old systematic paradigm that is killing Mother Earth. You can hear the perspective of indigenous peoples throughout the world and how they live with the law, land, air, and water. The voices of the original peoples, our guests are from every continent on earth, endangered, unheard, and forbidden from being heard on mainstream and the neoliberal left airwaves, whether it is alternative or progressive radio. What makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with a good heart. This is a voice from Earth. It's good for all of us to be here. Today will be a good day. And you're listening to First Voices Radio in Teoxin Ghost Horse, sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Asopus, or what Americans and Dutch call the Catskill Mountains. Regardless, it is the highlands of the Asopus in the lands of the Muncie-speaking Lenape. This is an all-native-hosted, all-native-produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill from the Red Lake Anishinaabe Nation, Ojibwe Nation, is the producer of First Voices Radio. And you can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprouts, and other medium out there that you can sign on with a computer if you're lucky enough to have a computer and the archive downloading and listening. So I'd like to welcome Jonathan Gonzalez to First Voices Radio. And uh, Jonathan, you know, rather than me reading reading your bio, let me, tell, let me ask you what you can say about who you are to the listeners here on Kingston Radio. Mm. Well, first, Bomatun, Liani, Taeguatiao, Thank you, as always, for 
for being here. And, um, you know, I could say, uh, first just to, uh, I could, I could maybe name these titles that people have bestowed on you, but I'm just, um, so grateful and honored to just say, uh, friend to call you a friend and, uh, real grateful to be here. Um, well, I'm, I'm calling in from Cahuila land down here in Southern California, as it's called. Um, but this is, this is native land. This is, uh, indigenous land down here. Um, we have the Morongo, we have the 29, the band of 29, uh, tribes, um, but mostly Cahuila, uh, nation down here. Um, and, and who, who is this voice that's coming to you? This is my, my birth name is Jonathan Victor Gonzalez Arbolay. That's what, you know, my parents named me. Um, Shetiaon, I've been, uh, a given name. But what does that all mean? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still thinking about that. Um, um, because it's, uh, for me, it's a process of, of, of becoming, of being. Uh, of of living uh, of learning to live in a good way um been learning to walk this walk with earth uh, with the elements and um we uh in the past when we've spoken we've brought in the elements so maybe before i even go on um maybe we'll do that together what do you think Tiokasen? if we bring in uh maybe take bring in the element of water and our relative and we just have a moment here where we can just take some water in and um, rem rem remember that we're uh, we're here with not um, um, we're not here um, um, to own or to dominate, but we're only here because of. So I'm going to take this sip with you and be grateful for for my life in this moment here with you. Great, thank you. That's great. Well, thank you for that greeting and um, always welcome here on First Voices. And those of you natives out there, I just want to say that if you listen to First Voices Radio, you are also welcome to call in, contact First Voices Radio and my name, Tiokasen, at Gmail. And for those of you who broadcast this, you know, make sure you put it at prime time. That's why I'm lucky here at this station because we are prime time Sunday. And it's a, it's a place of honor, and to know that this station cares enough to put us at this time. And other stations around, Jonathan, they put me at 2 a.m., 6 a.m. Sunday when no one's going to listen, right? Maybe a few people. But the voice is coming out louder now that we need to be there because we've been pushed aside so much in our lives as Native people that uh, they don't they don't. It don't matter. They're not modern. They're not with us. But here we are. We took on their language, their customs. We are living them as in surrounded, like John, John Trudell would say. And now we understand much more than they think we do. So this is not a bleeding heart. This is not something to get back at people. This is said from a good heart, from a good place, because we've been through all of this. By example, you are out in... Southern California, amongst all the, the native people, the 29 tribes, as you said, the 29 peoples. That's one of the band, yeah, yeah. of the Cahuila 
you know, all of those peoples together, the whole country here, the whole land, from wherever I go, no matter what I do, there is a native person. The, the generation before me and even the generation before me and after is afraid to identify with because of the treatment. No matter where we go, we are dismissed, we are pushed down, pushed away. Our word is not important because it's not economical enough. So the econom- economy seemed to be like, if you're not with us, then you're not for us. You're not, you're not going to be part of the evolution, so to speak. And we're going to speak simply here. We're not going to go out to some kind of academic frenzy here, try to explain ourselves into a system or even out of a system just to, to know who we are, that, you know, the silence that we've been holding and we've been metabolizing. It's where we're almost experts at it now. And just to understand that, yeah, this, this sort of racial capitalism that we're, cap, we're captured by, this is what we're supposed to do. The brown people are going to work in the fields, and those little few people that, that can get our education will make it, but not to the top. And, and it's, it's along the lines as this radio program. We are at a good, powerful place at 7 on Sundays, Eastern Time, and I would challenge all the other stations broadcasting, even First Voices Radio, to put us at a prime time. So this 32-year-old program of Indigenous peoples and those indigenously inclined and earth-driven, those voices over all those years are now being heard. Not one station has been solicited. So we have over 100 stations and not one has been solicited. So in Indigenous peoples' communities, is that tree right out there? Is that water, the river, now called Hudson? It's not the Mahokina Tank, it's the Hudson, named after somebody. So you see, it still goes on. And, and I think part of, that, part of that land back is, well, how about returning the names to the land? Because the land sure. said, call me this, so that you can understand location as Native people. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, and this is, this is what I'm saying. There's a wealth that Indigenous people still hold, but it's not in the bank. Because I know the young people who are non-native actually are wondering where they can make their decisions. But we've been told by program that we're supposed to make decisions through the bank and not through Mother Earth. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Mr. Gonzalez? Well, you know, it's funny because I'm coming from a city they call Indio, right? So, you know how the 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 game of the, the capitalist gain here is to clear out what looks like anything resembling indigeneity put in modernity but keep the name of something but it's not it's not like an honorific right it's something like this is how we know who's down here so this is how we know how to prepare ourselves when we come down here societally speaking right so um you know i think about these names uh, and the places and 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 what you said about the wealth and the wealth is in the relationship the wealth is in the relationship with with mother earth and um and we see even a lot of of native peoples letting go of that wealth that they have to um well we were talking earlier about 
adaptation versus adoption, right? And so what what we have uh, what we have seen is in more of an adoption, the native population adopting, oftentimes for survival but adopting nonetheless this modern, this Western Christian society, this mindset, this way of thinking, right? And then in turn, this society slowly, slower than we're forced or being asked to adopt the society, the society takes its time in adopting us and then places us where it wants us, not giving us the real, uh, um, the, the real free living experience but a told a told like a voluntold we're being told where to be how to be and um you know i, I living over here i see lots of folks out in the you know brown skin in the hospitality in the agriculture in you know just scrapping just scrapping and grinding to get by mm-hmm. right because their only way is to adopt this way so how how can I you know as as an indigenous person see myself doing something other than that? Well, because the relationship with Earth Earth is is asking all of us. Earth is speaking to all of us, but it takes time for us to slow down so that we can listen to what she's saying. What what is what is being asked of us? What's our responsibility? And we've had this conversation too before, Tiokasin, about the responsibility that we have, the not not the rights, right? Over here where I'm living, everybody's looking at their rights. You know, even the even the the, the native, the indigenous population here is looking at, well, it's our right to ownership. It's our right to sovereign land, which is a big issue down here. You know, this is like the number one issue for folks is land sovereignty indigenous sovereignty but what does that mean you know what does that mean besides another way of just adopting the modern society's way of living and then we're just going to in turn do the the same thing so a lot of these questions i have as i've come to this area this coachella valley in indio right you have these native names sometimes that are kept the original names but you know, the original instructions of, are just hanging on and, and I haven't felt them yet. I haven't heard the conversations yet, but I've only been here for a short amount of time. So, you know, I know relationships take a long time. So I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm going to, I'm going to listen for them. I'm going to listen for the conversations and listen to the earth and listen to the people who are speaking with the earth and trying to protect the earth. Now, that's a good way to think, a good way to feel, actually. And the optimism that I hear behind what we're talking about is being able to absorb the truth and be resilient to, to the, the lie, the falsity. And I said before on radio programs here that the Lakota and other Native peoples think about this, listeners, is that we didn't have immunity to the lie. We didn't have immunity to the manipulation that came with the ships, and when I think about this, what have our people cowed in, cowed into? They've they basically now we think about ourselves a repercussion, the long term repercussion, as a teacher would say, a, a person Eve Tuck. She taught at the State University of New York here in New Pulse. Actually, she talks about the thinking of ourselves as broken 
people. So us, we indigenous peoples, think of ourselves as broken people. So we have to go to those who broke us in order to make it out. And yet the sovereignty, I would say the power to have courage within oneself doesn't mean that you have confidence as as a non-native think the Western thought would be. It's to understand that the wealth that's there untapped is actually coming long before the ships ever came here, is that we have that as a source, and they have to resource us. That's why all the brown-skinned people are keeping their economy going and at the same time building a wall. So a a lot of this is not very logical, you know, the stereotypical poverty porn that they tend to look at us. Oh, they're all alcoholics. They're all drug addicts. They never get with the program. They're lazy. So this is coming from way back, way back during you know, the Declaration of Independence for, for the United States, the um, preamble to the U.S. Constitution to establish order. Whose order was it? When I talked about this. And then we go on to understanding beyond what is also said is a damage, a damaged-centered research that we have to do about ourselves. It only goes back to 1492 and what they find of us. As see, you had wars too. You did this thing, and when we talk otherwise, it becomes very ideal that we, as Native people, have have uh, experienced what they think is ideal. That now they say, well, is too romanticized. But I often say, Jonathan, that, so what's the alternative? That we continue the Western way or the place where we know is reality and is reality for a lot of Native people, but we're just so afraid to go there because we're going to get slapped on the wrist or even, you know, shut out in, in many ways, mentally, physically, religiously, scientifically, by, by the government, because it has to do with resource. And when, when we talk critically of the system, the CRT, the critical race theory, people call it, I call it the critical system truth, because we have to talk. We've had the longest experience, the longest experience. Yeah, we had the longest experience with that system that came here in 1493. And it's transmuted into various things like government and military and and the gavel is the bottom line rule for those deciding what we are as Native people. Hmm. Lots said there. Yeah, well, lots lots of, um, in in my opinion, truth there. Um, something that we we don't come by a lot and and also why i love being part of this conversation because where is this conversation happening otherwise you know uh, maybe deep in as they say indian country but when are when when is this conversation going to be valued at the at the perspective that it's out here in the so-called mainstream yeah well me we might be Tiokasin, you know you might be here at this good time slot but are we having people listening who have the courage to even listen yeah you know do we do we have people who are willing to sacrifice the convenience of 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 modernity to step away from it a little bit even for a short amount of time to tune in to learn to listen deeper 
at, at like as you say kind of not to not to have a response you know of course here we're on the radio we need to respond we need to go back and forth but when we're in real life when we're real really living do we we do we give ourselves enough of an opportunity to listen deeper to to um, listen to deepen our understanding and and that's what you know I feel like I'm I'm doing over here um, and we talked about this when I when I left New York it was, it was this feeling of well you said oh we're gonna have a coming home and I had to think about that and I'm still thinking about that um, what what does that mean you know what does home mean right because I feel at home, but I, uh, but as I was driving across the country, I felt this a particular feeling of peace and belonging. More so when I went into these, you know, these native nations. So when I drove over the over the line from Arkansas into Oklahoma, and I stepped foot into Cherokee to the great Cherokee nation, you know, I pulled right over and something called me and said, well, you need to, you need to continue to ask and you need to continue to be in relationship. And so here, take some of this tobacco and put it down and from your heart, you know, ask in this way. So when I did, you know, I felt the, you know, the spirit of the land speaking back and say, all right, go on. You know, they're not, it wasn't there to tell me you're doing the good job or like this is the right thing, you know, like kind of some duality, good versus bad or right versus wrong. But it's like, no, nope, keep on going, keep on moving down that path. And, you know, as another, uh, I'll, I'll say, elder uh, uh, wisdom keeper would say, no, dejes que te pasa un día. You know, don't let any day pass. No, dejes que te pasa un paso. Don't let any step pass, you know, so I'm learning to do that. But this is a, a constant um, coming back, right? A coming back home. It's like a becoming earth. It's a, it's a becoming um, um, alive again, fully alive, living. Right. And so as I, as I listen to your words and, you know, a lot of thoughts come out and, um, I, I'm just, I, I'm just reminded that, you know, it's a, it's a movement, it's an energy that I need to be paying attention to. And I need to stick with the energy and not move too far ahead too fast, because then I start to flip into this kind of modern mindset of like, I need to show some kind of proof of my existence. I need to step in and have something validate me who I am because that's the way the society is for people who don't know who they are or where they come from. That, that's a powerful thought process you have there. You know, I used to work with the United Nations or work within those, not just get paid or anything like that, but work in with other groups and NGOs and nonprofits. And that got to be a little testy for me and a little toxic working with do-gooders. But it was always to their ends that we had to always meet their requirements in order to qualify for even putting out a statement sometimes. And I know this is sort of a blanket statement, but, you know, in being there in September 2007, you know that 20 years it took to re to negotiate 
the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, right? And it was adopted with 143 votes in favor and of nations voting in favor of it and four four votes of, of objection from Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States. So these these countries rejected the rights of Indigenous peoples. Underneath, as you would say, the rights were actually the responsibilities of Indigenous peoples. They didn't want to go there because that would be too, too deep. And this declaration addresses many issues that were germane to educational research and in the issues of intellectual property and the difference in sovereignty and reparation. And, you know, even these words reparation, all these people need to look up the, the etymology beyond the etymology of these words that people are using to remedy, remedy the situation. And all the critical in terms of educational policy and practices and, and, and even on advocating superiority of peoples or individuals on the basis of national origin, racial, religious, ethnic, cultural differences, which are all racist, scientifically false, legally invalid, morally condemnable, and socially unjust. And in speaking with Steve Newcomb a few days ago, he talked about the lethality. Now think about it. There used to be legality, now it's defined as lethal, but you add ality to it, lethality. How deadly is what we're thinking now in dealing with statements like this, but also the outcome of other countries? Because we know from that time our experiences having to go through the oppression, the, the ups and downs, getting our IDs, becoming citizens and being pushed out. We know all of this. So... The, in in school, I mean, in 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 school when I was in, in universities, it felt like I I that was a point of reference that I stopped being studied, and it turned it around. I said, "Oh, I've been I could qualify for a cultural anthropology degree. It'll be white studies." So now I have white studies now. Think about how that effective it is when they say, well, we had a Native Americans degree. We studied you people. So we've been studied for how long? When we've been studying them. But when we turn it around, it gets to be, oh, no, no that's not true because it's not within confines of modern-day education as we call it. Mm. Yes, your thoughts? Mm. Well, when you say the lethality, like Steve Newcomb and you were talking about, I, I think of the idea of uh, what was said, uh, you know, by the um, who the founder of the Carlisle School there, who said, "Kill the Indian, save the man," something yeah. like that. Yeah. So sometimes the lethality, you know, the 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 deadly nature of it, is not always a physical. Um, lethality. It's not lethal to the physical always. Of course it is, because we know how toxic this, this society is, right? Um, with, from from the sh- just the sugar and the, you know, the alcohol, uh, the, the social media, right? But, but we're talking about like on, on, a, on an energetic and on a spiritual level, you're killing the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think about how how like 
insidious that is to go after you know these cultural ideas like uh, when when they were taking and you know you know better than i when they were taking the kids and putting them in boarding schools right that was lethal because they were killing the culture in a way that was so or attempting to kill the culture in a way that was let's get right to the heart let's separate the culture from itself let's separate the grandparents from the kids from the babies from you know from the from the uh from the middle age folks right so i'm just just thinking about this and 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 then to to be able to like then to study us it's it's so reductive right Mm -hmm. we're gonna in order to to study you we're we've got to kill you and we got to cut you up either physically or metaphorically right and i mean look what's happening with repatriation uh right now which is so i'm grateful for so many people i know who are doing that work with repatriation but these these schools like harvard like the peabody museum and and such and so forth that are and that still have the remains of indigenous people, right? So we're talking about lethality, yes, definitely on a physical level. But what I think is so dangerous is the energetic, the knowledge level, the and the spiritual level of this lethal kind of approach. This, um, you know, this this kind of just take it down, take it apart, and and put the uh, educational kind of backing. Uh, to to really guide us. We're talking with Jonathan Gonzalez, who was born in Tuxtepec, Mexico, Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, he's joining us here on First Voices Radio out of Southern California. And Jonathan, we have to take a break and uh, listen to the music, take a breath. And I want to talk about sort of taking off on what you said, the feelings of being over-researched, yet the irony that... Is that we're being made invisible because of the over-research. Okay, we'll talk about that. Let me let me talk, let me first do this, and then we'll go to some music, and then we'll come back and join you again, Jonathan. So hang on there.
All right, now that we're grooving here, that was uh, the dramatics with the, uh, what you see is what you get. And before we took the break with Jonathan Gonzalez, well, we're back now. We want to, to return to what we were talking about, feelings of being over-researched, yet ironically made invisible. But before you say anything, Jonathan, which, you know, I have to say something, and you know, that's how it is. I am the radio host here, and I'm in charge here. So... Um, as we know, Deloria is, is a very well-schooled uh, in the West, but also well-informed and well-experienced among Native people. Um, his long history, Vine Deloria Jr., one of the top 40 authors of the last century, 20th century, he talks about, you know, designating damage after they research us. You know, did the whole gamut of, you know, researching Native people, and this is how they are. Then they can designate where we're damaged and then throw money at it, yeah. NGOs, nonprofits, and then say, here's what's wrong with you. Because it's, to me, it's a distraction to keep the benefits of their damage to Native peoples going. You see where I'm going with this? So for the first five centuries of the U.S. colonization, that whites have been unrestricted power to describe Indians in any way they chose and Indians were simply not connected to the organs of propaganda or so that they could respond to, in the, to the manner in which whites described them. So we couldn't speak up about how they were describing us as poor. See, poor to them is material. Poor to us is spiritual. So mm-hmm. if we're spiritually rich, that means we have culture. With the land, we have, we have intuition. We have consciousness, which is the second layer. But... To avoid that pain that's, that they heaped upon us, they'll come up with, well, this is what's wrong with you. That's why you can't get with the program. That's why you don't have your big house, your your big bank account. So they're saying all these things and yet making us try to say that we feel bad because we don't have enough money. And all, all the while, it's because we could say reparations for black folks, but really here for Native peoples, it's land. It's very much different. And so when I go with that, these are stories that come out of Alaska, Native America, you know, North and South. And you are in a land that you described as checkerboarded. And that's one of the visible results that you see that you're experiencing right now in Southern California. Your thoughts? I've seen um, an aerial photography of the land and it, literally looks like a checkerboard where you have one plot of land very square cut out uh that's got all the quote i'll say development the progress the modernity full on tj maxx you know your coles all your stores all the things your starbucks right and then in the plot right next to it in the land right next to it nothing is there right and I, by nothing, I want to clarify, uh, no signs of modernity, mm. right? And and the life that is there is stuff that is what's seen as like a nuisance, right? Because of all of this, you know, study that has been done, this coyote, this rattlesnake, these are a nuisance, these are a harm, right? Well, in a certain way, they kind of treat the not even kind of, but they treat the indigenous population in the same way, mm-hmm. right? Being part of the land, being connected to the land, having a relationship with the land in those eyes, 
after all the research and the knowledge that has been input from from years and years of modernity, right? They have equated uh, our being to that of animals, to that of nuisance, to that of the land, which is again, like you said, a resource, right? So how are they going to resource us as brown people, as indigenous people? Well, or somebody's got to pick the pick the uh, fruits and vegetables. Somebody's got to wait the table. Somebody's got to wash the cars, clean the houses, right? Do all of this labor type work, right? Because this is this is the this is the study and this is the knowledge that they've been living off of, even if it's subconsciously, it's what came over here. And this is the underlying current that's that continues to exist. So you separate the, you know, the races, supposedly, mm -hmm. then you can then put them in different places of hierarchy, where you're talking about, like, you're the radio host. I'm the guest. <laughs> you get right. the first and last word. Yeah. And that's okay here because yeah. we have an agreement. There's a consent, right? This is something that has never existed. A consent, a prior informed consent has never existed right. with the relationship between the, you know, the settler colonization and the indigenous population. And that, that idea of I'm in charge here and the boss, that was intentional, as you know, and thinking about their, the, the studies that they've done on Native peoples, Indigenous peoples worldwide is almost coming from a, a dualistic approach, a pathologizing approach, if you, may, if you will, that in which oppression is a singularity, defines a community, so to speak. And when that definition is applied, it's always about damage-centered definitions of research that they operate or even benevolently from a theory of change that establishes harm or injury in order to achieve reparation. So they take away and say, no, this is what you need. You have to say it different. Mm -hmm. You have to say it different. When I think about the pathologizing part of it, the approach, oh, yeah, this is duality. And it's, I don't say it's in nature, but it's in its logic as it comes out of Rome and Greece and continues through the ages of colonialism. Everything is about war and peace. And so we'll talk about that because it's the height of what modernity is supposed to be about. We're going to win. You're going to lose. So it's always pathologizing every cause, um, cause and effect. But now I'm going to apply this. And we have a few minutes, about 10 minutes or so, Jonathan. I want to get your thoughts, deep thoughts. We're not snorkeling here. We're diving deep, right? And so... Um, <laughs> I, I want to say that, you know, in the old way of thinking, as, 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 as I research my own people, the indigenous folks, right, they, that there is no, there is no opposition. There is no opposites. There's no such thing as cause and effect. Now, this is wild because it's with spirit, but it's outside of the tame duality, the same tame duality that we can't think outside of the box. We can't even feel outside of it. So we have to have a definition for what Tiokasen just said. What do you mean and how do you do that? Because that's dangerous because it feels like it's part of the intuition that we were lacking and we put it into the Westerns, the Westerners' idea of what consciousness is. Whew. Wow. Well... Wow. <clears throat> You, you shared a saying that you have, and um, it's 
forgive me if I uh, don't pronounce it, but Washteshte. Yeah. Um, and it's something to the effect of uh, of um, understanding the curiosity. It's it's peculiarity. Oh. It's a very peculiar, it's odd, it's the irony, the ironic. Right. So if you're seeing right. something in ironic, just doesn't mean good. It means there's something very peculiar about this energy. And when that's happening, you are in the irony of it, and irony is medicine to us. Mm. So it's always, it's a, like a right. movement, right? Sure. Not, a, not an opposite. Right. Right. So that's, I mean, so my point is with that is that, um, you know, exactly what you're saying, that movement versus the, the, it's almost stagnant when you have an opposition mentality. It's, it's one way or another. It's dualistic, right? So if I'm going to always try to create this situation of poverty, well, I have to create this opposition of wealth. If I'm going to create this, um, this feeling of rightness, then I have to create this wrongness, right? Um, so, but when we, when we step outside of that and we look at people as beings in their kind of holistic sense, there, there is no, you can't, you can't put people in a right category or a wrong category or, or good or bad people are people. Beings are beings. We populate this whole earth. We're part, part of the earth, right? But we always to, um, amplify our argument as a society we have to create this one thing versus another thing and we see it all over we've seen it throughout history but this is the way of modernity this is the way of our um, you know this um this western this christian western mindedness that um if you don't do the right thing you're gonna go to this place called hell you know but if you do write the good thing, even if you mess up all along the way, you can find some kind of salvation, right? And then you'll you'll end up in this in this heaven, right? But we we're, we're always coming from this place of damage centered. Now the now now a, a term that they're using, which there's some good to it, but trauma informed, right? Mm. So this is kind of therapists are coming from this perspective of trauma informed rather than culturally informed, rather than earth informed, right? We're always looking at this, especially with, you know, the black, brown skin folks with indigenous population. We're always trying to put them in the spotlight of modernity. And we're always forced to adopt that type of way of thinking back to that adaptation versus adoption. So here we are in this damage centered perspective. And I don't feel like that's going to benefit, you know, that's going to uh, help us understand who we are, where we come from as a society, either individually, but most of all collectively, which is earth. Totally. So the centered, uh, you know, the center of universes everywhere, like Black Elk said. So when we're thinking about this and we have a few minutes here, Jonathan, thank you. So this this idea of change a lot, so popular that we all was default to this language. We have to talk this language. We have to talk a lot of the language in order to get a point across, it seems. Maybe we don't know how, but it's very ubiquitous to 
um, to folks that they might think that is entirely what social science is about or, or lack of it. And you're, you've studied social science in your studies. You, you've watched, you observed, you know, how the homeless, the poor people who can make it easier. Sometimes you've sat and people don't know how to fill out forms correctly or whatnot, but still underneath is that human being that's being ignored in all of us, that indigeneity, if, if I will. And I think that's at the bottom, at the crux, that's important to a lot of people to see what degree of colonization has done to that human being within all of us, no matter what color skin we are. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that big time here in the Coachella Valley, you know, at the foot of these beautiful mountains, snow-capped mountains, and down here on the, the floor of the valley where it's 70, sometimes 80 degrees, you know. I I, I feel, I sense the change, um, uh, but um, you're right that we need so much language to explain express like a, a feeling that's happening with earth it's happening in real time but we need so much to try to explain that and when we do we are oftentimes put at like radical or outcast type of mindset or thinking and um and then we find ourselves outside of a sense of kind of um maybe belonging uh maybe outside of a sense of home I know my home is with earth. So I know I can, I'll never be alone except in, until I'm starting to like take on the, the, the input that the society is putting on us. Right. And so then I start to feel like, Oh man, I am lonely. You know, I'm missing, I'm missing something. Right. But then it's as simple as going outside or not even maybe lighting a candle inside. Or even like we did at the beginning of this talk, taking a sip of water with heart, with thought, with love, and with the remembrance of where I come from. And that's what it's about. Where do you come from? Not just putting on green on March 17th, you know, and drinking beer and going zombie-like. It's, it's deeper than that. And we're talking with Jonathan Gonzalez, who's born in Tuxtepec, Oaxaca, Mexico, and is out in western part of Turtle Island on the southern coast of California and learning the living skills that he has in ancestral ceremonial ways through many teachers and elders, um, living skills with earth and this great teacher that he's had that we stand on most of the time without understanding we're with her. So oppressing our own thoughts with our own, with this language, I mean, to figure it out somehow and to feel, I wouldn't say clean or dirty, but to feel that we're, we're in motion and, and this is no, no such thing as progress, but it's a spiral of motion that we are all, all recognizing now um, without getting too new agey. See, I even say it that way because people think, well, this is all that spiritual stuff those Native Americans talk about. But it's really not that. This is reality. So I think I just want to thank you for joining us here on First Voices Radio. Any final thoughts, if you can give us something like that? Give us your history, 500 years of history in two minutes, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, 500 years ago, my ancestors were down there where my parents are right now in Oaxaca, Mexico. So 
I I know where I come from. I I would just ask everybody else to just if if they want if they choose if they if they're looking for that to find out where they come from, right? And not an a knowledge specific sense. Yeah, there's knowledge, there's research, there's science, right? There's things that we're talking about that have reduced us to our part and not the whole, right? You can do that, but there's something more, and that's the feeling. It's the feeling I get when I ha- I come into this conversation with you. Tiokasin, which I'm so why I'm so grateful to be here. How do we get to this place of feeling? How do we uh, um, understand how to like say, okay, knowledge, that's great, but how can I feel deeper? <laughs> and that's why I love these conversations. And I and I think if people tune in, they'll start to uh, love that about themselves and love that about these conversations and how. You challenge me to grow and to evolve, I'll say, um, by by understanding how I think and how I speak and how the two are interrelated. How I speak is going to inform how I think, and, and that's going to reinform how I am speaking. So uh, I'm just grateful to be here with you and part of this conversation, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for you and, and that you want to keep on having this conversation with me, and uh, it's always an honor. Great. So thank, so thank you. you so much. Thank you for this, Jonathan. Jonathan, I did say Jonathan, and we'll say honor. Thank you for this, <laughs> Jonathan Gonzalez, uh, all the way from California. And this is First Voices Radio. My name is Tiokas and Ghost Tour. So we're going to go out with... I forgot which number this is, but our engineer, Karen, will tune it up. And um, we'll see you next week sometime. And take care. Doksha Ake watching Delo. Take